This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello, all, and everyone. Thanks again for listening to Indie Beat. I'm your host, Christopher Jason Bell. Here with me today is filmmaker Cameron Bruce Nelson, director of Some Beasts, the great Some Beasts. How are you, Cameron? Thanks for coming on. We lost connection, right? Yes, we did. Yeah, I was like stretching it out so uh, it would connect again. Um, so, uh, Skype. what? I said sorry about my crappy Skype. No, no, it's okay. Um, so, what what drew you to film? Start off with a really easy, basic question and run with it. Generally, it was music. Um, that was sort of how I got my start. Um, when I was actually living on the farm that's in some beasts and I was living in a one room cabin, uh, out in the middle of nowhere in Virginia, uh, that cabin was the locus for, um, like five or six bands to record in. So it was basically like a recording studio. Like we had like a piano in there and all types of equipment, guitars, basses, bass drums, synthesizers, PA system. It was pretty, pretty wild. And we could be as loud as we wanted because it was out in the middle of nature. And we could even like do field recordings if we wanted to. In fact, we did that a few times, like down in like a ravine that was like really echoey. And, um, and so I started making music videos that sort of turned into (laughs) like full length kind of concept album things. Um, that were about a half hour long. And so we did these like EPs that were about a half hour and um, we would project the video while we were playing the music. So for instance, like there was this art gallery in town and we would uh, project uh, it on top of the wall and then we would like play behind the audience, um, which was it was a lot of fun. Like it was, a, and, and I think people, people are really into it because in that part of, uh, Virginia, there's just like not a lot of people doing that kind of art. So, um, so yeah, so that was, that was how I got into it. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know you were kind of weren't into film before that, but, um, can you give a little background as to, you know, why you were, doing that like why you were in the middle of nowhere out on a farm yeah um after i graduated from college i traveled uh through south america for about nine months and then went to europe for a little bit and came back and my friend and i we were really into food activism and he got us um jobs on a work crew on the blueberry barons in maine um and it was a really wild experience. Like that's a whole movie in itself, really, um, because there was, you know, like, we had to wear like all white, like long sleeve shirts and pants, and um, 
there was definitely like pesticides involved and the work crews were pretty wild. It was, you know, it was basically like my friend and I and a bunch of crust punks who were like all riding freight trains. And, um, yeah. And so we met, we met these people who had a fruit stand that was like an organic, that came from an organic farm. And they were, they basically told us, yeah, we're apprentices on this farm and they pay us, you know, basically a stipend and we like live and work and on this farm and eat, you know, from the farm and, um, and work in the gardens. And then we also, you know, sell at the farmer's market. So that was something that we were really interested in. So we traveled down to Virginia, um, because my grandmother lives down there. And the first place we called, um, told us that, uh, their, apprentice had left that day so um so we went ahead and they basically told us if we showed up that day we could um we could have the job and so we took the job as apprentice as apprentices um at that farm and then we just basically after that found other jobs in the area and I ended up having three different jobs um I mean, you basically you do whatever you can to make money out there. So, uh, like I was like a caretaker on one farm, like I did a lot of like chainsawing and I worked with black Angus cattle and I milked goats on one farm and uh, worked in the gardens and then we did construction projects. And so, yeah, so it was, um, that was, that was basically how I ended up there. Um, yeah, we were trying to find a place, you know, like where we could live, uh, in in a way that you know that we were like we weren't like completely ashamed of uh and and were able to also make some sort of a music or or something in the process and also a big a big part of my film education was because that was I actually got a Netflix account and um that was like that and the local library were like my only means of watching so I, I started just basically going through you know uh, famous filmmakers like in their entire works um, and I would just order them you know three films at a time and you know spend nights like in that one room cabin like drawing and <laughs> watching those films so that was that was my film education really it was um, was in that cabin <laughs> with Netflix like what were some of the filmmakers that grabbed you at that time when you were like watching all the work and like what, what grabbed you or like inspired you? I was reading a lot of Russian literature at the time. So I sort of gravitated towards Russian filmmakers. And of course, Tarkovsky uh, was one of the very first filmmakers where I think I was, I think it was, um, cause this is like before, you know, Netflix didn't ha even have like, stalker or the mirror so i think that solaris was the first film that i watched and i remember just drawing i would actually sketch frames from that movie because i was just so i was like this is i was so blown away that you could actually do this with film you know i had never seen anything like it so um i mean i was really like i was literally a babe in the woods you know um so yeah i that was sort of that was sort of where I um that was that was my jumping off point and then from there I went to Bergman um 
let's see. Oh, I was like a really like Kurosawa was like another filmmaker who I just like watched like, as many films as of his as possible. Um, and then, of course, like I was. It was interesting though because the local library had film movement films, and um, so I would I would like jump from like the masters into these like contemporary into like contemporary independent works. Um, yeah, so I was so I was I was watching, um, you know, I, of course I watched like Fassbinder and I watched Godard and um, and Truffaut. Um, as many of, of their films as possible, um, and uh, I don't know if you if you caught this, Chris, but I also was like watching film movement because that's what the library had. Like they had like all of film movements. Yeah, they did. Yeah, I remember those days too, where it's like, oh, those are the foreign films that you like have to see because they carry all of them. Yeah, and so I was watching these like contemporary, you know, uh, foreign. And, and American independent films, which uh, which was great too, you know. So I was kind of jumping between the masters and those, and so uh, you know. And then like there's there's a cinema down in Roanoke, so like you know, I remember like I went and saw like Marie Antoinette like three times, <laughs> which was like really, it was just like a visual feast, you know, that movie. So um, yes, yes, most definitely. Um, yeah, so um so that was yeah, just and I read I read a lot. Um so so yeah, so that was that was sort of my my film school. And what inspired you to do some beasts like as that film like this is my first feature? What inspired you to do that specifically? So, by the time I wrote Some Beasts, um I was actually living in Dallas and I was, um, I was editing, I was like working as an editor and I met Ben LeClaire on Upstream Color and he's, he was like the executive producer for Upstream Color and I basically started talking about how I lived on this farm and I was like really, really thought it was just like, it was such like a special experience, like such a unique, um, like slice of American life and, and just such a. Um, it's a culture that I'd never seen actually like in, in, in cinema. And, and it was also something that I was like, you know, cause I mean, uh, you know, film is like a great way to like share, uh, you know, per- not only personal experiences, but like, you know, places that like you've, you've only seen that you think that should, should be seen. And, uh, and, and I basically told him about the culture and I told him about my experiences out there. And he was, he just thought it was really interesting and was like, well, you should write, you should write the script, just write it. So I did. And then like three months later, it came back and was like, well, here it is. And, um, and so we just started working on it and started developing it. And I think, I think why, why I wanted to make, make it first was just because I was still like very connected uh, with the fr- like the close friends that I had in Virginia that I had made like while I was working there in this community, and um, they had you know they had just there was like two two of my good friends there had just started families and in a way 
you know, the film, even when they watch it today, it serves as a sort of a time capsule, you know, of like that we captured sort of a time and a place and even going back, you know, and I, I just knew that there that that was a special moment in time. Um, you know, even even like, you know, looking at the film, you know, and seeing that it's made, oh, this film was made in, you know, 2013. Um it's kind of amazing that a place like that could exist in 2013. And, and I'm always interested in films that, you know, have, have like such a certain personality or a certain, uh, time imprinted onto them or a certain culture that's imprinted onto them that you can't, that's why I love period pieces so much is because, you know, um, or, you know, like films like, you know, New York in the 70s or like, you know, films like Five Easy Pieces or Bob Rafelson's film, uh, King of Marvin Gardens that captures Atlantic City at that point. You know, it's like those films, like um, there's just something special about like being able to sort of document uh, that people and those people in that place at that time. So I was I, I really wanted to just... Um, to make it while while my friends were still like into the idea of doing something like that before they got before they got too crazy with their families and their lives and um, and they were and they were all very supportive and it was a collaborative effort. It's interesting that you mentioned location because one of my questions was about like the locations you shoot in and I'm kind of curious like you know you're one of the few American indie filmmakers that I really love that utilizes location and lets it like give to the script and to the entire film. Um, what does it give to you? Like, what does it pull out in you? Like when you shoot something like in general, like the locations, like what draws you in? Like, and what does it do to you? That's interesting. That's an interesting question. I think it's, I think it varies. Um, because for me, it's about, you know, space, space is like such like the way that, that human beings interact with space is fascinating to me. I, I don't think I'll ever be just not completely fascinated with that. Um, and in Virginia, obviously I had a special connection to like all of the places where we chose to, to shoot. Like for instance, like in the woods, you know, there's like several places in the woods where Frank, Frank was chainsawing, you know, in the same place that I was chainsawing. And, um, and you know, there's like, there's, and, and then there are parts that, that fit the story and they fit the characters. For instance, there's a part, you know, like where, um, where there's like a pond and the two characters are like separated by the pond. And like, there's like, you know, it's, it's, it's a part where these two people who have been ha- in this long distance relationship are finally in the same space. And then they're across the pond from each other. And for me, that, was totally something that came out of the characters and out of, um, out of the script, because the idea was that these, these characters, you know, they had been suffering a long distance relationship, but when they get together, like they're still pretty alienated from each other. And that was, that, that shot was designed on the spot too. I was like, there was this, you know, there was this wind coming across the pond and I, and I saw it and like, we actually had to do a company move down there. Cause I was like, this is amazing. Like we need to like, so we had to block it out to like where Heather like walked out on the dock and like Frank was like across the pond at a certain moment. And then the wind hit and it was like this magical moment. And for me, like those kinds of, those kinds of moments, that's like the really, that's like when, when production gets really exciting. Um, those are the moments that I live for. So it's like, 
I, what I like to do is I like to like let the space sort of interact with the characters, but also interact with, you know, but also like sort of be smart about like the story and knowing the script so well that using space to sort of reflect the inner life of the characters. I think that that's always something that's like in my mind whenever I'm like approaching a scene, it's like, okay, where are the characters in relation to each other? Like, why are, why are they there? Um, and, um, what, like, is there, is there a way that we could tell the story of the interior life of these characters using this space that we're in? And yeah, I mean, um, so yeah, so in Virginia, I sort of had, you know, this free, free reign of this land that I knew intimately because I had like worked out there and, um, and, um, I had, you know, I had hiked there every day. Like, for instance, it's like there's like a hill that Frank is like walking over, um, you know, with E.B., who's the little girl in the film. And like, that's the hill that I would carry my water. Like, I basically didn't have any running water in my cabin. So I actually carried two five gallon jugs of water, like a mile over a hill and back. (laughs) And that was like, I was like, we have to have this hill in the film because it's like, for me, it was like sort of this you know, it, it was this like everyday sort of task, but like in the film, it's just, there's like, but there were beautiful moments on it too, you know? And, and, and it was very easy to capture a beautiful moment with Frank and Evie up there, you know? Cause I knew I, I, I sort of, I just knew sort of what that angle was already. So yeah, it's important for me to like do a lot of like location scouting and just thinking about the script, like out in the space, like where we're going to be shooting for sure. I didn't realize like how personal this film actually was um, until that answer. So you've used like a great deal of yourself in this, you know, feature film. Are you nervous like that future projects you won't really be able to do that in the same way? I mean, yeah, that's definitely like a, that's that's something to think about. I I think that the way. I don't know, because it's like, you know, I talked about how I'm writing this other script and it's like this other script is in a place like where I've spent like a lot of time too. For instance, like I'll give you an example. Like I I made a short film um, that's like in in an apartment in New York and, you know, I would go over there and and basically I asked my friend Katya, whose apartment it is, I would say, hey, is it okay if I come over at like seven in the morning uh, and stay till like 11 o'clock? Like I won't you know, bug you. I just like want to see how the light changes in your apartment, you know? <laughs> so it's like, for me, like that's, that's just part of it. It's like, I really wanted to see. Yeah. I, I think that I'll do that with every project. You know, I think that that's just, it's just something that it's like, you know, it's just like a, you know, you know, like how pain, great painters like knew their paints really well. It's like, you know, they knew that this color was like, would do this, like when it was mixed with another color and, so I, to me, it's that's just like an important part of the process. When we first started talking, we were like, oh, I bet each other's, we, you know, we both had films on the circuit and we were like not getting into the same festivals. And I was like, man, it would be cool to hang out. Yeah. And we were kind of like, I think you said like maybe our films are like taking each other's spots. Like they're not going to take <laughs> both of ours um, because they're like. Uh, probably a little too similar at least in feeling maybe like mood and tempo i'm curious what has the reception been like audience wise when you would travel with it it's been actually like 
surprisingly positive. Uh, not that I wasn't expecting that, but you know, um, it's it's not like a romantic comedy. It's not like something that like moves super quick. It's definitely like you know a slower paced film. Um, but um, I've had a lot of people who were like actually like found it. Um, you know, they were able to like immerse themselves enough in the film to be able to like really um, take a lot away, and um, and it's and and when it's in when it's in like the right um, like with the right group of people, and I mean it, it can be like a really uh, profound experience. Uh, is is sort of that's sort of the feedback that I've that I've been getting from the people who really love it. There's some people who it's just not, it's not their thing. And, and that's totally understandable. And, um, and, um, but I've, I've found that, um, that, yeah, I've been pleasantly surprised with, with, with all of the people who found it like very relatable. They've, um, I've, I've always heard that, uh, people think the, the cinematography is beautiful. The performances are spot on. Um, uh, that's, that's never the issue. Generally it is, uh, it has to be, it has to do with like pacing. Um, but, uh, that you, you either sort of love it or hate it. And, and honestly, that's, I'd rather be in that category than a movie that people just like. (laughs) So, um, so yeah, so I'm, I'm, I've been like really, really happy with the reception and, uh, even yeah, audiences in both big cities and in in rural areas have responded really well. And our and our screening um, abroad has like went great in Germany too. Yeah, I'm always like I see a ton of American indies that are like okay, which is like fine at first, but then it like really starts to get draining, and it's like oh my god, you know why is this like <laughs> you know stuff that like people love or like got distribution or something or like got good actors good festivals or whatever and it's like i can't take why like is this happening you know yeah yeah i mean i just yeah i i just make movies for maybe maybe i make movies just for a different reason other than just pure entertainment and i think that that's sort of um you know will be the <laughs> the bane of my existence as a filmmaker <laughs> um because I think that it, I, I really appreciate films that are, that are just, that are entertaining and you go out and like, that's, that's your night, you know, you have dinner and you go see an entertaining movie and you go home and it's like, you know, there's a chance that like, that that doesn't happen with my film, you know what I mean? But, but yeah, that wasn't the intention behind it. And also I don't, I don't know if I would have been as honest to the community and to the people who are a part of that community if, um if I would have made something that was like a thriller, you know, I imagine like you're probably the same, but like stuff like that's really hard to just fake. I just don't have the, I mean, it would be cool to like do something like that one day, like a genre thing. But if it's not there, it's not there. And like to force yourself to do this, like little indie that like you're not into, it just seems crazy to me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Like it's got a, it's just so hard to do on such a, when you're like, I think across the board it's probably hard to do, but on such a small scale, it's kind of like, I'm just going to do what I want, what I think is best. And, you know, hopefully it becomes a good film. Yeah. 
Yeah, and like I said, you know, I'm very proud of this film. Um, yeah. So you went to, you're now in um, a master's graduate program, correct? Yeah, yeah, I'm at Columbia. So how has that been, you know, you've done a lot of stuff already. Like, how has that, has that changed you? Or like, what do you think of the experience so far? It's been edifying. <laughs> I've like, I mean, it's great because what it, because, you know, I never went to film school and, and this is what it's doing is it's, you know, I, I have an idea of like how to make a film, but it's great to sort of break down and get the foundational, um, get the foundation that you really need to sort of understand narrative storytelling, you know, um, and that's what it's, that, that's basically what's been happening is I have, you know, wonderful professors and I have great peers that I've like, I've made wonderful connections there. And, um, there are a lot of extremely talented people to learn from, um, in both cases. So I, I feel very fortunate to be a part of the program. And also, um, I've, I feel like I've grown so much as a filmmaker. Um, so I'm, I'm very, I'm very happy. I'm very happy with it. I mean, it's, if anything, it's making you, it's like pushing you, forcing you to do work, you know, like you said, you have to finish a script tomorrow and you've shot a film, right? Like you've shot a couple films, right? Already. Yeah. I've shot a couple films and I'm in pre-production on a film that I'm shooting this summer. So, um, and have written, uh, wrote, have written the script and gone through a lot of feedback sessions. And, and I mean, I'm just, the, the people there are just really brilliant and they're talented and, um, you know, we've all developed trust with each other and it's nice. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been a really, it's been a really great environment. I lo- I, I also am, am just loving living in New York <laughs> too. Um, uh, I mean, I went and saw the restoration of Stalker yesterday, and it was incredible. So, uh, you just get some of the best the best movies, and you have some some, of, some great some of the best talent in the world here. You know, I've been working with uh, with really wonderful actors. So, um, so yeah, it's been it's been really incredible. Uh, yeah, New York has its perks. Uh, I love it, and I hate it. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I do love it. It can feel like a little isolating uh-huh. um, or isolated. But I think it's good that you, you know, you're working with all these, you have a class with all these people and like you're forced to kind of work with each other. And, you know, those are, that's your group. That's your friends. It's good that you're not alone. Like you have that kind of, there's a foundation already there that kind of thrust you into a foundation. And that's definitely very helpful. Yeah, for sure. Um, are you looking to teach when you graduate? What are you hoping to do to work, like to pay the bills? I'm open. Uh, I mean, obviously I've, I've already been in, in a position that's sort of like mentoring, you know? So I've, and I really enjoyed that because to me it was like, um, it was this, um, it's a mutual, it's a feedback loop, you know, of inspiration. It's not like you're always the one teaching, like you're also learning a lot at the same time. And, and, um, 
And so for me, that's an ideal situation to be in. Any situation that's like, you know, you can, you can sort of always be practicing and, and growing um, as a filmmaker is a situation that I'd want to be in. So, um, and you know, that could mean an editing job. That could mean, you know, um, you know, working as a producer, producing friends' films, you know. Um, but, but yeah, so I, I mean, I just think I'm going to have to do the typical, um, you know, sort of independent filmmaker thing, which is basically take whatever I can get <laughs> and, um, and, you know, just try to, try to continue to make films. Yeah. But, but I, but I definitely, I would definitely love to, to, to work in, in a, in a school for sure. Like I, I like working with young people. A lot of the show is like, this is what I wish I had when I was, you know, in my early twenties and I had no idea what to do. So I'm kind of like, it's really hard to kind of do what we do and cause we're not making money off of our films, you know, maybe one day, Yeah. but it's good to know that like you can make a film and also be able to work. Like you can make it happen if you want it. It's hard, you know, and mm-hmm. under different circumstances, it's like, way way harder like near impossible but somehow like you can make it like you can make a certain kind of film and be passionate about it and also like still be able to pay your bills and eat and stuff like that yeah i guess i guess right now it's what's been interesting is um is making films with a safety net so i've just been able to really push boundaries and sort of um sort of just do do some pretty wild experiments and it's really pushing me sort of and just pushing like sort of my directing style visually and and some of the stuff that I'm writing you know I'm trying to get trying to find you know like um ways of of uh, approaching like more unconventional narratives um yeah just trying out a lot of different techniques I think that that's like the one thing that that's been nice about about being here and um and and it's something that that since I'm, you know, sort of been able to figure out like what's working, what isn't working, like where's my voice like in this, in this new style of doing this thing. Um, you know, that's something that I can take on and like make movies more confidently. Like when I do get out, um, you know, and sort of, um, you know, either teaching or doing whatever sort of production job that I'm doing. Can you talk about being part of Kiristami's workshop? Yeah, most definitely. Um, I mean, it was a dream come true. Uh, just being able to watch him walk around and uh, <laughs> wait. Well, a little background. A little background. Um, yeah. Cameron was selected to be part of, unfortunately, the last uh, Abbas Kiristami film workshop in Cuba. Right. Um, yeah, and so there was about. Uh, I think 50 filmmakers from all around the world, um, all different countries. Um, and, um, the idea is that in three weeks we would make a short film. Our first, our first, uh, week we were there, we basically, um, sat in like, you know, uh, you know, in the mornings, like, uh, Abbas would, he would talk with us and, um, you know, basically like, um, (laughs) like one of the very first things he said is he's like, I'm a filmmaker here just like you, you know? 
And it was just, it was amazing to hear such a master say something like that. Um, but, and then we went out on walks, you know, we went to the village and we would just, we would all just sort of walk around and we would talk with people and um, we would watch him sort of, he had a video camera and he would video things and, um, and it was just a really, it was a beautiful experience just even like watching him walk around um, and, and, and videoing certain things and, and we would go up and talk to him and, um, yeah, I mean, I think that the, the most memorable experience probably maybe like, you know, one of the most memorable experiences of my life is we had to pitch our short film to, he had to approve it. Um, boss did. So we stood up and, um, in front of, you know, the entire class of filmmakers and we would basically have to tell him our story because the idea that he would say to us is that you should have the entire film in your head before you even make it. And you should know it sort of shot by shot almost, you know, or know at least the stories very well. And when I pitched it, he had, he got this big smile on his face at, when, when I told him sort of the punchline and he says, that's a very good story. That's a very good story. And I, I mean, that just made my year, <laughs> made my filmmaking career up to that point. Um, so yeah, so that was, um, and, and of course, you know, everybody had to do that. So everybody sort of pitched it and then, uh, we would show it to him and he would give us feedback sessions and, um, and then at the end of the, uh, at the end of it, I had like a little notebook, like with my, with my drawings in it. And I said, um, the boss, could you sign this or could you write something? And he did, he just wrote an AK in it and it was just like really nice. It was incredible. Um, but yeah, I mean, and, and Cuba, Cuba is a wonderful place because part of the reason like why he really wanted to be there was because there was no, there were no cell phones and the internet's really spotty and, you know, there's basically like, you can't be distracted. You actually had to focus. Um, and, and that was like, that was very important to him. And it was, you know, the way that he talked about it is he, he said, this is a gift, <laughs> So, so it was wonderful. What is your writing process like in general? Crazy. Easy? <laughs> I tend to like sort of gestate ideas for like a really, really long time. And then when I write, when I sit down and write, I, I write in large chunks. Uh, it's funny because, you know, Werner Herzog says he writes scripts in five days. And I actually like really understand that, uh, that idea of just like sort of having everything just kind of come out like after you've been thinking about it for like a very long time. So, um, but yeah, I mean, generally it's, it's, um, I mean, it's something that I do every day, you know, whether or not you get a lot done or not, or like whether you're working on a script or whether you're just writing, um, other things. Uh, it's just something that I, I, it's something that, I've just like developed a habit of doing every day and it's, that's really important for me. And then, um, 
yeah, sometimes it's tough to keep all of the projects. Um, cause like I was, cause you know, this past year I was writing short films and features at the same time. So that can get, um, you can, you sort of have to like spend time on this one and then move over to another one. And, um, but yeah, like with, you know, it's like with, with features, it's like generally I'll think about something for two weeks and then sit down and write 20 pages. So, um, yeah, and with, with shorts, it's generally like I'll think about it for several weeks and then I'll write like a really detailed outline and then I'll write the short film. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually pretty similar to that, um, yeah. except like I generally like work pretty fast, mm-hmm. except so, you know, like not five days fast. No, I'm not that guy. Yeah. But um yeah, I get it done like fairly quickly and then it's like well known that that first draft sucks. Yeah. Like that's a sloppy copy. That shit is not for anybody else but for me to like rewrite and to like reread and rewrite. Yeah, I generally put them down like once I finish a feature, I'll put it down for like 6 months <laughs> or like, you know, for several months at least and then come back to it later. Yeah. I mean, I wrote something and I was like, oh, I should reread that and rewrite it. And I realized, like, I'd written it, like, two, three years ago. It's like I didn't get to it yet, you know? It's like, talk about, like, juggling stuff. It doesn't matter. Like, I'm not going to make it, you know? It's like, yeah. It, it, it's not pressing, but whatever. Yeah, I'm I'm all about, like, letting things sort of take their time. Because anything that I've ever sort of rushed, music or otherwise, like, film, music any sort of art it's just not good there's i like the idea of like getting something out there though like doing it and like getting it done cuz you never know so it's basically like a fine line between like you don't want to take too long because then you're never going to do it but you don't want to go too fast where like i you know i have these dreams of like i want to do like a completely improv project and it like it scares me. I like the idea. It scares me, but I'm also like, I'm not that smart. Like, I'm not that good. I could never be able to like make that work in the way that, you know, I would want it to work. Mm-hmm. So I do like the idea of like getting something done, going into it, and being like, no, it's finished. Now it's time to shoot. But you know, I can't be like that off the cuff about filmmaking. Yeah, it's um, I feel like I always go into a shoot with a really defined structure and like even shot list. And then when I'm there, things happen out of my control, which I love. That's, and, and that to me is where the really, where the really exciting things happen. Um, So it's nice though, to have that structure because then you always have something to really fall back on. And if you're ever like in a, in a tough like situation and you're worried about, you know, the visual language or you're not necessarily saying what you need to say, you can always come back to it and say, okay, but you know, the lights over here now. So how are we going to make that work? You know? And, or like what, what's interesting about like, like where we're at now, like that could, that could make that scene even more interesting. It's always helpful to have that foundation too, because you have the, like the laid out blueprint there and you can work off of it what what's the last movie you saw stalker i I don't want to talk about stalker what's the movie you saw before that 
Oh, um, the mission. Did you, you know that one, the De Niro one? That's um, that's down in. Um, it's about the Guarani and Iguazu Falls and the missionaries and Jesuit, the Jesuit missions and um, in South America and then the church and the. Have you have you do you know that film? I know the cover from working at uh, Best Buy as a teenager, but I kind of forgot about it. Is it good? Yeah, I was I was doing um yeah I was I was watching it for the music the Ennio Morricone music because it's a it's a really dynamic soundtrack um, combination of like these like pan flutes and tribal drums and uh, and then strings. I mean it's 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 incredible. Uh, the way that it sort of is like integrating all the worlds of the film. Um, and then I, and then I also saw the piano, the Jane Campion film recently too. I was doing it for the music as well. Um, and also she's, um, she's, she's a voluntarily mute woman in the Victorian area era who, um, she's basically like, she has to travel to New Zealand with her daughter and the way that she sort of expresses herself is through this piano and, um, it's interesting. You should watch it. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the ending because Jane Campion, uh, she changed the ending to sort of, I think, appease the studios. And her version of the ending to me is far better. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm a big Jane Campion fan. She's one of my favorites. If you have a chance, have, or actually I should ask, have you seen Beyond the Hills, uh, the Christian Mingu, his second film? You have? Okay. This is such a relief because I must have told this movie to about 20 people that have not seen it and, and know his work too, right? They've seen Graduation and they've seen 432, but they haven't seen that one. And, and I was like, you've got to see this movie. It's like one of the most, I love that movie, but it's not widely available here. Uh, it, was on, it was on Netflix for a while, but then they took it down. So it was a shame. Fucking Netflix, man. I know. Yeah, that movie's the shit. The last shot is like, I mean, you know, the Romanians know how to do yes, that a was, lot of stuff. I, oh, man, it reminds me of a shot that you would do, Chris. I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm so glad I got to hear you say that. Um, thank you. Wipers, the windshield wipers. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. I actually, I saw The Treasure, another uh, Romanian oh, film. I have that on my queue. Yeah, it's good. I liked it a lot. It, it, it was inspiring because they're like, they're so good at being like cut and dry, like minimalist. Like it shows you what you can do to like still be interesting. Um, uh, blocking within a scene. Yeah. They're, the way that they use deep focus in blocking is just, to me, that's we need to go back to that. Yeah. You know, if there's one thing we should go back to, it's that. Um, and, I mean, did you see Graduation yet? No. It played at Sarasota, but I figured it was going to come out, so I'll see it You know, when it comes out here. I went and saw it uh, a couple weeks ago, and I enjoyed it. But still, Beyond the Hills for me, <laughs> that movie. Um, yeah, and actually, there's a teacher at Columbia who was part of the Romanian New Wave. So, where did you see graduation in New York? Yeah. Oh, did I miss it? Uh, I think you did, man. Come on, man. That's why I didn't <laughs> see it. Oh. <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't know. It may still be around. You should check. But yeah, I saw it a, a couple weeks ago, and I was worried that it was going to get taken down. But so let's wrap up. What yeah. is your next thing that you want to talk about? Like your next project? Next project? 
Um, so it's my short film. I, I like, like I said, I've been like experimenting with like a lot of different, you know, sort of, uh, unconventional modes of storytelling. And my next project is a, uh, POV ghost story of a, of a six year old boy that comes back to visit his grieving parents. I shot it. It's in post right now. Yeah. So that was the one that I made over winter. And then my next project is, um, uh, it's a film in a Mennonite community. That's, um, it's sort of a, uh, it's basically like a romantic friendship and, uh, between two teenage women and, uh, one of the, uh, yeah, and so it's a love triangle. It's like a, t- a love triangle that involves like sort of a romantic friendship in a Mennonite community. What about features, man? Um, features, I have, like I said, I'm writing this one, um, which a lot of, like, there's basically like <laughs> a lot of people are very excited about, um, which is nice. You know, it's like I, I feel very supported in this uh, script. And, and, um, so I'm, I'm excited about finishing it and actually getting it to some people. So, um, yeah, but it's a, um, it's a film that revolves around an oil spill incident that happens on the Gulf coast of Texas. That's it. Yeah. Oh, well, it sounds cool. I thought yeah, you were going to yeah. give me more. I don't mean like that's it. It sounds really cool, but I, I was hoping for, uh, some more meat. Oh, throw yeah. us a bone. Yeah, I think that's it for now. <laughs> <laughs> I tried, man. Um, yeah, I'd like to finish the screenplay before I start. Before yeah, I start talking about it. Yeah, that's true. I got gotcha. you. Well, cool. Thanks for coming on, Cameron. Really appreciate it. Yeah, it was a pleasure, man. So yeah, this is the episode of Indie Beat. If you're in New York, please come see some beasts at Spectacle Theater. We're putting it on on thursday at 7 30 p.m that's thursday may 18th um be there be square and you really don't want to be square so yeah do it thanks again for coming on cameron Good. thanks chris i really appreciate it you're the man dude <laughs> goodbye see you, see you thursday hell yeah Indie Beat and all the playlist podcasts are sponsored by Mubi, a curated online cinema streaming, a selection of exceptional, independent, classic, and award-winning films from around the globe. Mubi's film experts handpick every single film they show. Each day they present a new gem and you have one month to watch it. Visit MUBI.com slash the playlist to start your special 30-day free trial. Regular people would only get seven-day free trial, so this is the real deal, people. You could do $5.99 a month or $47.99 for a full year. Mubi is available via web or on any of your other favorite devices, such as Apple TV, Samsung Smart TVs, Roku, PlayStation. So pause your game of Bonk's Adventure and watch some films, sonnies. Mubi is a global platform, but programming is customized per country. Some highlights Mubi is now showing in the U.S. of A. The Portuguese film John Frum is part of our special discovery series. This is a coming-of-age tale that is both epic and intimate. Do check that out. We also have old mainstay Philippe Garel, The Virgin's Bed. Don't forget, there's also selections from Locarno in L.A. and Art of the Real. That's it for this episode. Thanks again for tuning in. I really appreciate it. You've been listening to Indie Beat. We are part of the Playlist Podcast Network. 
do give us a nice rating and review on iTunes and all that jazz. Also, check out the other shows on the Playlist Podcast Network because guess what? They all rule. Thanks again and tune in again. Bye bye. <laughs>